Welcome to The Common Rounds, medical education for medical students by medical students. In today's conversation, we'll be talking about acute ischemic limb. In general, circulatory diseases are divided into arterial and vascular subtypes. And in terms of the arterial subtypes, we have the acute and chronic. So acute arterial occlusion or insufficiency refers to acute ischemic limb. This is where you get a sudden decrease in limb perfusion, which is potentially threatening to limb viability. The chronic type refers to ongoing prolonged arterial insufficiency leading to chronic limb ischemia. And this is where the symptoms are present for greater than two weeks. And in a chronic form, you can eventually get to the critical limb stage where the vascular arterial supply is quite significantly reduced. In terms of the vascular diseases, some of the diseases that you'll be familiar with include deep venous thrombosis, superficial venous thrombosis, varicose veins, and chronic venous insufficiency. Now, before we talk about the disease process itself, let's review the anatomy of the circulation of the lower limb. So the common iliac is where it all starts. Common iliac divides into the internal iliac, which supplies the pelvic organs and the gluteal muscles, and the external iliac, which travels under the inguinal ligament to become the femoral, and femoral subsequently becomes the popliteal, and the popliteal divides it to become the posterior tibialis and anterior tibialis, which supply the lower limb. In terms of arteries itself, you have three key subtypes. You have the elastic arteries, which is the large arteries closest to the heart. They help push the blood forward and maintain blood pressure as they relax. There's the muscular arteries, which are the medium-sized vessels that direct blood flow to organs, and their diameter can change to affect blood flow. And there are the arterioles, which are the small arteries that distribute blood to individual capillary beds. And they're the primary contributors to um, blood pressure and resistance. So looking at the histology of blood vessels in general, you have the three layers, the tunica external or the adventitia, which is comprised of collagen and elastic fibers. You have the tunica media, which is composed of smooth muscles mixed with or without elastic fibers. And in the arteries, it's separated from the tunics by the external and internal elastic layers. You also have the tunica interna, which is composed of the endothelial layer and the supporting basement membrane. So it's important at this point to revise the difference between veins and arteries in terms of the histology. The tunica interna is thinner in veins and in arteries there's a thicker basement membrane. The tunica media has less smooth muscles in veins, thicker with greater number of smooth muscles and elastic components in arteries. And the tunica externa it has greater thickness in veins, but it's thinner with greater elastic components in arteries. Revising a bit of physiology, so under resting conditions, the average blood flow to lower extremities muscle groups is around 300 to 400 mils per minute. During exercise, this can go up to as high as tenfold as a result of the increased cardiac output and the compensatory vasodilation that occurs in those tissues. In general, the blood pressure is normally higher in the lower limbs, and that's due to the pull of the gravity, and it can increase, resulting in higher blood pressure compared to the upper body. When there is a narrowing, though, there's decreased flow to the lower limb due to the increased resistance, and so we get less blood and there's less blood pressure in the lower limbs compared to the upper limbs, which will become diagnostically important as we talk further down the track. Now, moving on to the pathogenesis, acute ischemic limb refers to the sudden loss of blood vessels, and there are a number of causes for this. But broadly, there are three key subtypes. There is the embolic etiology, where the emboli can originate from the heart as a result of atrial fibrillation, myocardial infarction, or endocarditis. There's the arterial thrombus, which is often due to an extension of an atherosclerotic plaque. And there are the atrogenic causes, which are the complications of vascular interventions resulting in dislodging of a plaque or an emboli. 
At this point, it's important to quickly revise what atherosclerosis is. We dedicated an entire talk to this in a prior episode, but it would be worthwhile to mention this as part of this episode as well. So hyperlipidemia is a major risk factor for atherosclerosis, and atherosclerosis simply refers to aggregation of fats and cholesterols within the arteries. Now, the dyslipidemia causes endothelial dysfunction and atherosclerosis, resulting in progressive narrowing of the affected blood vessels, and exposure of the subendothelial material could then trigger platelet activation and thrombi formation, and ultimately narrowing and occlusion of that uh, affected blood vessel or artery. In terms of the signs and symptoms of acute ischemic limb, these symptoms can develop in a matter of minutes to hours, and it's important to remember the six Bs, so pain, pallor because of the lack of blood flow, paresthesia, so numbness and tingling, paralysis of the affected limb, poikilothermia, which refers to cold limbs, and pulselessness. Unfortunately, if the symptoms are not managed appropriately and treatment not activated early, it can lead to breakdown of muscles or rhabdomyolysis, which in turn leads to compartment syndrome. This usually occurs if it's been greater than six hours since the onset of the ischemic limb. It's also very important to appreciate the staging of acute ischemic limb. There are three key stages. There's stage one, where the limb is not immediately threatened and there's time to investigate. There's no loss of sensation and no motor deficits. There's stage 2A, where prompt treatment is really important to salvage the limb. There's some numbness affecting the toes, and there's no motor deficits yet. Stage 2B refers to an immediate need for treatment to salvage the limb. There's more an increasing severity of numbness, affecting more than just the toes, the foot, the calves, and there's also partial motor deficit. And stage 3, unfortunately, is irreversible damage, where the only treatment really now is amputation. Now, as I alluded to already, profound ischemia can lead to irreversible changes if it hasn't been managed properly for four to six hours. Now, in terms of the diagnostic workup, in general, the diagnosis can be made based on the history and physical examination. But there are important differentials that you need to consider. So there are neurogenic causes, such as lumbostenosis, which can present with lower limb pain. There's venous diseases, which I've alluded to, so deep venous thrombosis, which is an acute presentation. There's also varicose veins and insufficiency, which is a more chronic, insidious process. Other causes include popliteal entrapment syndrome and compartment syndrome, due to another reason why the muscles may be breaking down in the lower limb. So from an investigation point of view, you want to start with your easy things first. You want to do a blood workup, looking at electrolyte abnormalities as a result of muscle breakdown, which releases potassium. You want to look at the patient's renal function, which is important if you're considering contrast imaging, which I'll talk about shortly. Other important investigations include an ECG for potential cardiac causes and an arterial brachial index, which looks at the pressure at the ankle compared to the arm. Normally, the pressure ratio is around greater than 0.95, but in the case of a chronic or ischemic limb, the ratio would be less than 0.9, and that suggests that there is some abnormality. If it's less than 0.3, patients tend to experience resting pain with impending tissue death. So as part of the workup, you also want to look at some imaging. So this includes a uh, Doppler ultrasound or a duplex ultrasound looking at patency of arteries and blood flow. You also want to look at more invasive imaging, such as an angiography, which looks at uh, how valuable the arteries are and how much occlusion of the arteries is involved, such as the popliteal of the femoral. This type of imaging isn't really suitable for the smaller artery. And as you can imagine, you need contrast, so you have to be careful in patients with renal impairment. Another type of imaging, which is also invasive, is the retrograde percutaneous arteriography or angiography. And that's where you inject contrast into the femoral artery. It uses less contrast, so it's potentially safer in patients with renal impairment. And it's better for visualizing the smaller arteries. 
Once you've done the imaging, you can also potentially intervene with this technique as well, which is very valuable, especially if you're running out of time to intervene. So moving on to the management and treatment of acute ischemic, the treatment, as I've alluded to, really depends on the stage. So stage one and stage two, you have time to do some investigations and imaging workup. Stage two B, you really want to tend them, send them to the operating theater and perhaps perform angiography while in the theater. And stage three is the amputation. In general, in all these patients, you want to start them on a stat dose of heparin 5,000 units to prevent further progression of the clot and then place them on an infusion. You want to give them analgesia to help with the pain and discomfort associated with ischemic limb. And as you can imagine, there are surgical and interventional approaches as well. So you can do an interarterial thrombolysis, which places a catheter into the affected artery, injecting thrombolytic agents that help dissolve the clot. Unfortunately, around 40% of patients may require further surgical or percutaneous revascularization, but in general, this can be a very effective treatment. There are surgical revascularization approaches and embolectomy, which is where the surgeon goes in and actually physically removes the, uh, the embolite. And as you can imagine, if it's a non-viable tissue, then amputation is your final last option. So this brings our presentation to an end. Please support us by liking us on Facebook and rating us on iTunes and let your friends know about our work as well. We would love to hear from you guys and you can get in touch with us by visiting our Facebook page or our website. Our episode today was put together by our executive producer Gautam and our core editor Cindy. For notes, elective experiences and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.